0: I'm here. Hello. Hey, Liz, I'm here. Uh, Liz? Uh, Liz? Uh, Announcer lad? Where is everybody? Oh, great. It's it's time to start. Uh, Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, I know announcer lad has some stuff done on this recording thingy over here, but all of these buttons look alike to me. And me with me big paws. Uh, They be good for digging, but not for pushing buttons, then. Uh, Okay, maker. I need you to show me which buttons need pushing, then. I. Uh, well, okay, here goes. This be where a scene from the chapter needs to be playing for a wee bit. But I, I don't have that scene. Oh, Maker. What's the next button? Push the one to the right? Okay. Uh. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven. The podcast with your hosts Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. And keep in mind, you can download your very own copy of the audiobook The Ark, the Read, and the Fire Cloud by visiting www.audible.com or check out Jenny's website dot 7com where you'll find the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven books, including her latest book, The Declaration, The Sword, and The Spy. Go to dot 7com Oh, that's me Q. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 44 from the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. Uh, plus, Miss Ginny will open the mailbag and read one of your letters. And... I'm sorry, Max. I'm sorry I'm late. Have I missed anything? I already started stuff. Where you been, kitty? I was preening. I had to wash my paws and then I saw my nails and ugh. So I had to do them and of course I have 20 of them. Ah, cats always be wasting time cleaning on themselves. You don't see us doggies primping and preening all day long, do you? No, and uh, it shows. Besides, where is Monsieur Denis? Ah, oh, you got me, lass. I be the only one on time today, and I... I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm here. Uh, sorry, I'm late. Uh, well, We can get started now. Oh, we're already started, monsieur. Wait, what? Aye, we be rolling. Where you been, then? I, I uh, got a message on my phone, and so I needed to text them back, and well, next thing I knew, I, I completely lost track of time. Anyway, on today's episode, we'll hear chapter... Chapter 44, from the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud. I already did that part, lad. Oh wow! I, I am late. I, I'm really, really sorry. Apology accepted. I forgive you. Ahem. <clears throat> ah. Uh, besides, Monsieur, I, I too was late. Uh, so, pardon, mes amis. That's all right, lass. Uh, yeah, you, you're, you're forgiven too. But you know, this chapter reminds me. I know a couple of ways to get you both here on time from now on. Um, you do? I. Do the names Jacques and Rico mean anything to you? Oh, no, 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 I, no! no don't, don't call them. No need for extremes, one of me. We will we, we'll be a long time from now I can I, always yeah. call Jacques and Rico. No. <laughs> uh, but Max, one question. How did you start the show all by yourself? Huh, I didn't. You didn't? Oh, I asked the maker, and he gave me the answer. With no time to spare. Yeah, he's been known to handle things like that. In his perfect timing. Chapter 44 The Last Day <coughs> screamed Rico, the Mexican raven, at the top of his lungs. Cock-a-doodle-doo! cock a doodle cock a doodle Answered Jacques at the top of his lungs, his throat feathers spread out and vibrating. Stop this right now! chimed in Henriette. C'est ridicule. I will not have it. But I am the one who is supposed to wake everyone up, no? And here comes this, this garbage eater trying to outdo me complained Jacques. His rooster pride was threatened, and he was not about to back down. He had been competing with the loud Mexican bird every morning since they got to the ark. Jacques and Rico found themselves waking up a minute or two earlier each day just to beat the other bird to the punch. Garbage eater? Is that what you call me, senor, garbage See, si. I may not have as picky taste as you, you French, But I am proud to be a Chihuahuan Raven, and I am the first to wake all the creatures in Mexico. So why don't you give up and let me wake the Ark like I am sure I am meant to do? Squawked Rico back at Jacques. Tempers were flaring, feathers were flying, and it wasn't pretty. Enough! The French hen is right. I will not listen to this, and I know the rest of the Ark agrees with us, chimed in Rico's wife Maria. Her deep black feathers were just as ruffled as Henriette's. The hen and the raven stood in the corridor, wings on hips, glaring at their husbands. "'Well, I will not give up my post," hm. said Jacques, putting his nose in the air. "'Neither will I,' answered Rico, crossing his wings and looking the other way. "'Ay, ay, ay, men, no entiendo,' said Maria to Henriette. Me, oui. These men are being ridiculous. Why they each insist on being the one to wake the entire ark, I will never understand, replied Henriette, enjoying the complaining company of another female feathered friend. See, si, see, si, gracias for seeing things like these. I'm glad we agree, replied Maria, also warming up to Henriette. Why don't we leave these two local birds and get some breakfast? Por favor, come to my stall, amiga. Oui, I would love to, said Henriette, as she waddled down the corridor next to Maria, who hopped along next to her. Jacques and Rico looked at each other, feeling mutual disgust as rivals. Each bird thought the Ark was his territory, and this arrangement was going to be difficult. But for now, this morning had begun. The war would continue the next morning. Adios, Frenchy, until tomorrow Rico squawked, flapping his wings. Hm I will be ready and quelling ahead of you, Monsieur Garbage Eater, replied Jacques. Both stopped suddenly when a massive shadow passed over them. It was Don Pedro the bull. I suggest you amigos learn to sleep in on this cruise. Otherwise, you might find yourselves running with the bull, Don Pedro said with a wicked grin on his face. Rico and Jacques looked at each other and gulped. They dropped their heads and slowly hopped down from the railing. The war would have to stop. For now. Upendo heard the crowing down the corridor, but was up anyway, early as usual. He loved his surroundings here on the ark. He and Chipo had been given a twenty-eight-foot-tall stall so their long necks could fit. Upendo was afraid of the tall ark when they arrived, but Ham had gently guided him up the steep ramp, speaking words of assurance to the scared giraffe. Once they got into the stall, an incredible thing happened. A cluster of tall mimosa trees erupted from the floor filling the top of the stall with a canopy of delicious leaves. Upendo was immediately at ease and began to pull off the leaves with his strong tongue, closing his eyes with delight at the delicious flavor. It was one of the best mimosa trees he had ever tasted. Perhaps it grew so tasty because of the moisture from the rainforest in the stalls next door. But the most amazing thing of all was that the leaves appeared to grow back. The more Upendo and Chipo ate, the more leaves there were. Yes, Upendo liked it here. And Jafaru, the lion, slept in his own stall, high up on a rock that had formed there, so he wasn't a concern to Upendo anymore. Life was good. Upendo felt safe and secure aboard the ark. Upendo reached high into the tree branches and pulled away a big cluster of leaves. As he pulled the branch away, there in front of him was a huge pair of green eyes, and below them, a big mouth of teeth opening wide and screaming, Ah! It's out to get me! Apendo started to scream back at the other screamer, for he was just as startled and terrified. Help! cheep The giraffe felt his blood pressure rising. Chipo looked up to see Upendo screaming his head off like he always did in the savanna. It could only mean one thing, Jafaru. Come down Upendo. Look, I'm sure it's just Jafaru come back to visit. That's all, said Chipo, walking over to the mimosa tree. But the scream coming from the leaves was not the deep voice of a lion, unless he had laryngitis that is. Jafaru you come out here this instant. What do you mean? Coming back and giving Appendo a flight like that. You've got your own stall. And what's the matter with your voice anyway? Scolded Chipo. As Appendo and Chipo peeked into the shaking leaves, they saw a curious sight. An orange cat. The two giraffes looked at one another, questioning looks on their faces. I think Jaffaro went and shrunk himself, eh? Appendo whispered to his assertive mate. What kind of crazy thing is this? Chipo asked the shaking leaves. I'm s- s- sorry, lass. I didn't mean any harm. I just fell asleep up here last night. When I awoke, I saw this tall beastie and was afraid he were going to eat me, said a very startled Al. Chipo laughed, shaking her head. Upendo looked at her and then back at Al. He didn't understand what was going on. He looks like Jafaru, only smaller. Are you telling me this isn't Jafaru? Asked Upendo, still rattled from Al's surprising presence in the tree. <laughs> no, Apendo, this is just a small cat. <laughs> it's not Jafaru, she chuckled. Who are you, okay? she said to Al. Al poked his head out of the leaves and jumped down a branch to be eye-level with the giraffes. Me name's Al. I'm just a plain kitty from Ireland. I went looking for me mate last night and ate so many bananas next door that I were full to bursting. I got so sleepy, I just crashed in the first tree I found. Uh, Sorry about that, said Al, relieved that he wasn't going to be eaten by the giraffe. And glad to hear Chipo laughing. Well, no harm done, Al. I'm Chipo, and this is Opendo. You see, our lion friend Jafaru used to sleep in the trees and scare Opendo in the mornings. So that's who we thought you were. The three shared a laugh. Al was flattered that the giraffes had thought him to be the king of the beasts. He sat a little taller, remembering that he was, indeed, a noble, famous warrior. "'There you are, Albert,' said Liz, as she jumped up on the railing of the giraffe stall, slowly waving her tail up and down. "'Liz, me love, I came looking for you yesterday and got lost in the rainforest. Well, actually, I met some monkeys, and they introduced me to the best fruit I ever tasted—bananas!' You got to try them, Liz, Al said, as he jumped from branch to branch down to Liz, finally kissing her on the cheek. I eat so much that I fell asleep up here in this tall beastie's tree. I can see this, no? Bonjour, madame et monsieur. I am Liz, Albert's mate. I am sorry if he upset your morning routine. Liz said, as she introduced herself to the giraffes. "'No harm done. It's nice meeting such small cats. "'I never knew cats came in any size but extra large,' said Chipo, "'bowing her head low to greet Liz. "'Whoa, and you're a different color, too. "'You're a pretty cat. (laughs) "'Merci. "'And yes, I am discovering all sorts of creatures I never knew existed before. Uh, "'What kind of animals are you?' Liz asked inquisitively, "Giraffes from Africa?" Chipo replied. Liz continued to question the giraffes on their eating habits and various other aspects of life as a creature from the savanna. Finally, she remembered why she was looking for Al and returned to her current train of thought. "Merci, Chipo." Then, turning to Al, she said, "Oh, Elbel, I've been looking for you." I returned to our stall shortly after you left and learned that Max got some terrible news from Crinan. Kate told me that uh, Gilliman died. Oh, no. Max must be broken up something fierce, said Al sadly. Mais oui. He left to go to be alone with his thoughts but never returned last night. Have you seen him? Liz asked pulling off a leaf that was stuck to Al's fur. No, I haven't seen him, love. I were looking for you at Isabella's and then wandered down here. Oh, that reminds me, said Al, jumping up and back into the tree. Liz and the giraffes watched Al climb into the branches, shaking things up as he looked around for something. Chipo then asked Liz, So you're the two cats who traveled with Max? We've heard about how brave he was. "'and how he saved many animals. "'We traveled by land and didn't need to lie the whale, "'but I would be much luck to meet this hero.' "'We must find him first, Liz answered. "'Al popped out from the tree branches, grinning. "'He had the seed sack and the reed in his mouth. "'He jumped down the branches to Liz. "'I almost forgot, lass. "'I got your seeds back and Max's reed.' he said, now sad as he grew concerned for Max. "'Oh, Albert, merci. Let's make our way back to the stall and see if perhaps uh, Max has returned. We can drop off his reed and my seeds and then continue our search for him,' Liz suggested. Uh, "'Chipo, Appendo, it was a pleasure meeting you, mes amis. We will see you soon. Au revoir.' And with that, Liz and Al made their way down the corridor, looking everywhere for Max. Mother, do you want this stack of bowls? Japheth asked Ada, as they packed up another load from their house. Well, my kitchen is getting tight on board, but we'd better bring all we can fit onto the ark. Yes, Japheth, bring the bowls. Ada answered, as she folded a pile of clothes she had brought in from drying outside. They smelled like sunshine. Ada wondered how long it would be before she could dry their clothes outside in the sun again. Noah's family had been packing up their house all morning. It was a sad day for them. They knew that tomorrow they would board the ark to live for an indefinite period of time. They would spend their last night here in the house, as a final farewell to the place that had been home to them for more than a century. All the happy memories made in this house were invisibly imprinted on the walls but the family could see them with their hearts. Father looks like a few late arrivals coming down the road Noah heard Ham shout. These could be the last of the animals. Noah put down his small reed brush that he used to paint on the clay tablet He had kept a daily journal of animal arrivals, carefully marking their species and origins. Adam's journal inspired Noah to have a record of the extraordinary events with the ark and the animals. But now his writing would have to wait. There were a few last animals to care for. I'm coming, Ham, Noah said as he got up from the table. Together they went to greet a group of giant panda bears, Siberian tigers, and white ducks. Behind this group were two reindeer and two walruses, struggling to make it down the dusty road. The weary animals from China and Greenland were relieved to reach their destination. Get the cart, Ham. Looks like we have some more cold-weather friends needing assistance, Noah instructed. The last of the animals had arrived, and not a day too soon. And there you have it. In the Maker's perfect timing, we were shipshape and all aboard. And not a moment too soon, especially for Monsieur Walrus. Aye, them cold-weather beasties had a hard journey. But don't we all sometimes? You know, we all have times when life becomes difficult, no? In fact, Jesus even told us, in this world, you will have troubles, but... But... Don't give up because he has overcome all this crazy world. Even when we go through the deepest, darkest valleys, he is there with us. Going through it with us, so we are never alone, and he's always on our side, so we don't have to be afraid. So, when we do feel afraid, we can stop and talk to the Maker and know that he is with us. Aye, and unlike some of us, he is never late. Point taken. Just don't send Jacques or Rico to my door. (laughs) Just teasing you, Kitty. But speaking of time, it's time to head over to Ginny's Corner. And today, we get to hear from one of you. Hi, Miss Cody. This is Chad from Houston, Texas. And I wanted to ask the question, how do you make good cliffhangers? Basically, the ones that you put at the end of your chapters and books that get readers excited to want to continue reading. I noticed a lot in the Three and the fire cloud, and I kind of got impatient, so I ended up buying
1: the audiobook on Audible. Thank you for answering my question. Thanks for your question, Chad. Well, cliffhangers are the tools of the trade. Every author wants his or her readers to keep reading, right? To reach the end of the chapter and like, oh, I can't stop here. I have to keep flipping the pages. So cliffhanging moments are strategically built in whenever possible. They don't always um, come easily. Sometimes I have to adjust the ending of a chapter to kind of get there. But usually I like to leave you with a question either from my good guys, right, my protagonists. How are we going to get past this obstacle? How are we going to overcome the enemy? What are we going to do now? Or leave it with an evil intent of the bad guy to build up your anticipation, oh no, the good guys don't see this bad guy coming and what they're getting ready to do. And I know I've been successful in that when I keep you turning the pages, because that means you're invested in the character and in that moment. And I try to keep my chapters at about 12 pages. I'm not very good at that all the time. That is the goal. So I kind of get to that point. Sometimes I can't break it up and I have to extend the chapters a few more pages or sometimes I make them short. But ending with a good punchline is real important. And I do the same with the end of the books too. I like to try to keep you looking forward to what's going to happen in the next book. And sometimes I can be really hateful (laughs) with the last line of a sentence. Um, But again, my goal is to get you excited about the, the next book. Chad, you had also left me a message about kind of the cliffhanging thing with setting up a prologue at the beginning of a book and how I kind of pull the reader in. One of the things I like to do is to start ahead in the story and give you a scene and then backtrack in time to where you're going to start earlier and you're going to be building up to that scene. So that kind of pulls you into the story with me to start trying to connect the dots and uh, pull the thread through the story. You're like, oh, I see how we're going to get to that point. And that is a a little thing that I do to, again, keep you engaged and to make you think about how the story is going to play out. So, Chad, thank you so much. You're such an epic fan. And keep reading and listening, and I'll keep trying to leave you hanging. (laughs)
0: Oh, merci, Miss Jenny, and also to you, Chad. Aye, lad, that were a great question. And did you notice he knew what to do when he just couldn't wait any longer to find out how it ended? Right, Max, he went to... Well, perhaps I'll tell you in just a moment. Perhaps? Perhaps you will tell us? But perhaps he wouldn't. Would there truly be an announcement at the end of the podcast? Oh, is Monsieur Announcer just toying with us? And what about next week's episode? We Would Max be plagued by another nightmare? Wait, what? Would he be devastated by the memories coursing through his brain? What's in me brain? And who would come to his aid? Why would I need aid? And what about the wolves? Oh, no. Not the wolf, beasties. For all the answers and more. Tune in again next time and we'll all find out. Once again, The Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Read, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of The Ark, The Read, and The Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of The Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderoftheseven.com. 7com That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a
1: grand day. Au revoir, mes amis. Always remember, you are loved and you are able.